Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Someone support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny, Dana and Elliot. And this is the second run-in um, and the second recording that we've done this week. Um, obviously last night we recorded the full 45-minute podcast and well, whilst it was rendering we, we lost all the, the, the content. So that was absolutely great. But um, let's chat about Middlesbrough. Um, five defeats on the spin. Um, the worst form since 2013 with the likes of... Kieran Dyer was playing for Mills Football Club, but also one of the run, worst runs of form since 2000. If we lose on Saturday, it's the worst run of form since 2001, uh, and that was just before Terry Venables came into the club uh, to help uh, Brian Robson achieve um, well our Premier League status. Uh, but Dan, I want to start off with you. Um, five defeats in a row, obviously the defeat against Norwich and the defeat against Bristol City on Tuesday. It's a massive cause for concern, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but um, I, yeah, it's been coming to be honest because for a few months now we've been maybe you know drawing games that we probably should have lost and winning games that we maybe should have drawn or lost. So I feel like our form is is catching up to us. But um, the defeats, the manner of the defeats themselves, are really disappointing. I mean, the the Norwich game we started really well in the first half, which probably makes it more disappointing that we didn't really take advantage of that. I mean, we had chances. Um, I was absolutely mystified as to why we can't seem to put the ball in the back of the net the moment we hit the post, we blaze it over the bar it just trickles out of the goalkeeper's gloves, I, I, I just don't get it um, but we I mean, we had a game plan, we set out to really press Norwich and, and that worked, we you know, forced them into making mistakes, Clayton was probably man of the match I thought in that game um, and again it's just we, we, we don't seem to be able to take our chances and um, you know, it was the, the case for the, the game against um, Bristol City as well. No, perfect. Um, Elliot, hundred shots on goal over the last six games. We've scored only two goals. Um, do you think it's a, a confidence issue, or is that a manager's responsibility for the form as well? Um, I don't think it's the, the manager's responsibility for you know poor finishing in a sense. Um, you know, you could argue the fact that you know maybe not enough training drills are done on it. You know, maybe. Um, 
you know, there's not enough practice for the the right players, e.g., Johnny Housen, because he can't seem to finish his dinner. But um, <laughs> it, it's yeah, you can't you can't put it down to him. obviously, you know, um, there's there was one good thing against. Uh, Again, Bristol City. I was thinking Preston. I don't know why, but against Bristol City, the the uh, well worked free kick that we done, and, and you can see that obviously he's got tactics in mind for us to create opportunities and and score. And you know, it's just really unlucky, um, you know, for some to be hitting the post. But some of them are bad quality. Um, George Savills, um, when he came into the box, and that was what nine yards out or something, and you know he blazes that over the bar and Johnny, the target, ha- yeah. Man. Johnny Housen's from inside the area when all he had was one defender stood there and he somehow managed to hit his backside and then off the post. So I think it's a mix of both really, but I think you can't you know, you can't argue with the fact that, you know, Tony Pierce can't be on the pitch putting in the back of the net for them really. No, I agree. Um, I think it doesn't help as well. I think with with Pierce coming out and saying to like with the likes of Summer Long if he has like one shot in the game and say he hits a post he was like oh well British should be finishing that from 55 yards you know he's a professional footballer um, but it, it's it's not always his fault but I think, think that has an effect on the, the likes the, the, on the strikers if Peel's come out and saying well they should be finishing the X, Y and Z when they actually are quite hard chances at times well yeah I mean there's been some comments um, like I think when Flint missed from literally point blank range he managed to divert ahead of somehow off target um, chances like that, he definitely should be um, you know, putting away. And I, I don't know, I feel like, to be honest, with ones like that, we all know that he should be scoring that. Does he really need to come out and say it? I, I don't know. Um, I suppose you can't really argue against it because chances like that should be put away. But like with Brit, he seems to always have a bone to pick with Brit. Mm. Um, you know, we've discussed it before, and many Borough fans think the same that, like, I don't know, there's something about Tony Pierce and Britta Sambalonga that they're just not quite clicking. Um, maybe he just doesn't fancy Brit, I don't know, but he probably is just forced to, to play him because it's either Rudy or John Hugel instead who seemingly can't hit the target either. Um, or a header, because he completely missed the header against um, Norwich. Um, doesn't like scoring John Hugel, does he? Doesn't like scoring at all. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean... I don't really know if the players really read into things like that. I, I mean, if they do, then obviously if somebody's kind of... It's probably kicking you while you're down a little bit because if you already know that you've missed a chance and your manager comes out and kind of slates you for it a little bit, or maybe that's too strong a word, but like kind of comes out and, and sheds more light on it, then it, it could be a little bit kind of off-putting. But. Yeah, I think uh, it's a good point, that, because I think it, it might come down to the mentality of the player. Um, if you're missing chances, but you're still quite a, a confident player and you're an outgoing player and you just think, right, well, I'm going to score the next chance I get, then, you know, it's all right. It's not going to be that you're afraid to shoot next time or whatever. But I think some players it does affect, and, and um, Ashley Fletcher's one. We've seen it happen at Sunderland. It was documented on the... Uh, on the Netflix docuseries where he was he was talking to one of the coaches in one of the scenes, you know, and he was saying, you know, keep your head up and, you know, take it, you know, take your chances. Forget about the last one that you missed. Just concentrate on scoring the next one. But and it might be the case with some of the Borough players like that. Um, and with Ashley Fletcher, we were on about um, about the game, weren't we? And we were saying that, you know, with Ashley Fletcher, he wasn't trying to take someone on when he was running when he was running towards the defender. He was looking for that next pass. Um, instead of just trying to take it past him, and he is quite quick. He could have, you know, took it past him when the defender isn't even, you know, turned to the side to try and make a run after him. So, 
yeah, maybe a confidence issue as well. Mm. With, well see, with that in mind, it's the worst run of form this season. Um, Tony Pulisic hasn't always been the most popular figure um, since his arrival in December last year. Um, do you think? Obviously, I'm going to use Sam Thompson's question really, but I think it's a number. It's a we got asked the question a lot. Um, is Tony Pulis is is it his time to leave now? Would would you sack Tony Pulis at this stage of the season and potentially give Woodgate the job? No, it's pointless. Because um, a lot of people will want like Ikanovic and David Wagner and play, like managers like that, but we don't have the players for it. Like a lot of people think this squad's been good enough this season, but I completely disagree. I think we were completely unbalanced. We had players here like Martin Braithwaite who quite clearly didn't want to be here. One of our best players, you could say, like technically on his day, um, doesn't want to be here. Um, and then in January we're left with kind of a, a threadbare squad where we, we haven't really strengthened. Um, so, you know, I think if a new manager came in, he'd have to perform miracles, I think, and I just don't think that's realistic. I mean, the same, do you think it's a, well, a good time to sack Pulis? As appreciate, the point I'm trying to get across is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Manchester United, he came in, and he's done, I think it was like 10 wins out of 11. Mm. Um, really rejuvenate Manchester United season I appreciate they're in a bit of a, a tough bit of form now but the, he kind of rejuvenate and give them that, that uh, kneel in the arm a little bit a little bit, the injection that they needed to to get themselves going but do you think it's a, a good time or yeah I mean I can see why a lot of fans would want to sack him and you know I wouldn't be averse to that happening you know it, it's been in a poor run of form the, the, the quality and style of football hasn't been great all season even when we were you know in the higher reaches of the table but um it doesn't make you know sound business sense to, to do it really because number one you know if you're getting rid of him he's in a contract so there's going to have to be some compensation involved there um, and then you'd have to get somebody else in to, you know so it's, it's a double cost um, mm. to, to you know, for someone else to sign a new contract two there's no guarantee that that person coming in um, you know would work miracles and get us back in the playoffs. And and three, even if we if somebody did come in, we had this all the kind of social like effect, um, and we did manage to go up. The, the squad, like Dana said, isn't good enough at the moment. We'd have to spend an awful lot of money, I think, to get it in shape to compete in the Premier League. And the the main thing really is is kind of you know comparing it to the all the kind of social effect. It's kind of like for how many of those effects do you see? You know, did Claudio Ranieri make a difference at Fulham? Not really. There's a, there's a lot of other stories of, of managers coming in and they don't really do anything. Um, you tend to remember the ones that they do because it's it's you know it's well documented. But you know not every new managerial appointment has a bounce. You know what I mean? If the, if the players aren't simply good enough and they're in a poor run of form, you know any manager might not be able to turn it around. So yeah, and I would probably yeah. agree with you in terms of like the pure side of things. I would keep until the end of the season. Appreciate that. There's only eight games to go now, um, and if we if we do get in the playoffs and we have a, a good run of form, then then fine. We probably we've actually probably deserved to be in the playoffs for the majority because we haven't really left there since August. Um, so I can understand well, why we keep Pulis in. Um, I think towards the end of the season, I think it's more of like a shake hands. Thank you very much, Tony. You can either go up to a director of football or you can uh, like retire happily. Like we can let go. And we start again. We get a new manager and we go again uh, for the following season. But I do think we need an overhaul. Um, I think there's, I think well, they've got the oldest squad in the championship. I think the average age is twenty eight point nine or twenty nine year old. Um, so you've got the likes of Clayton House and um, John Old Mikel, Friend, uh, Flint's near up there. Ayala is near the air. Randolph, uh, Randolph, um, Shotton. Um, you've got Rudy is the Rudy, Gast- Rudy Gastad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, there's Quite a lot oh, there. Da- Dallin as well. Um, 
you know, there's, there's a lot of well, there's a lot of players that are well not not old in a life sense, but old in terms of like a footballing career. Yeah, they're starting to get into that age where they're on the decline a little bit. And I think that's probably why our form could be they could be fatiguing a little bit more. I think I think statistically, I think Tony Pulis' side actually tend to tie it towards the end of the season anyway. Um, because either teams are going for it or like he's being found out a little bit more. Um, but do you think obviously with with Tony Pulis, um, he hasn't really been a more popular figure, um, and it's getting quite toxic. But do you think there's any way back for Tony Pulis at all? Then do you think he has he has a chance to win the fans back? No, I think Borough fans, well, football fans in general, are, are very set on their ways, and if they don't like a manager, then it'll take quite a lot of success to mm-hmm. really kind of enhance the or, or kind of repair the reputation. Um, I think even if Tony Pulis was to get us up, I'm not really sure whether it would um, kind of do that. But no, I think even before we came, there was this preconceived idea of his football and you know the kind of tactics that he plays and the expectancy of long ball, boring football, um, negative tactics, stuff like that. And I just don't feel as though a manager like Tony Pulis in the modern game can really kind of repair that and come back from fan backlash I think once it's there it's there well Steve McLaren had that backlash and he had the fan obviously you throw the season ticket at um, Steve McLaren then we went on to uh, European final last season yeah, I think, I think if success and performances well, not even performances I think if success and results drastically improve people forgive it um, mm. but I think if it doesn't get that much better I think going from getting you know season ticket flung on your face getting smashed by Villa 4-0 at all and then going on to a European Cup final, you're seen as like God after that. Um, mm. But I think, you know, in a Tony Pulis world, it's like, yeah, he might be playing bad now. I think if he was to go and get us promoted somehow, then, you know, a lot of fans might change their minds. It's, it's quite fickle, really. But it's yeah, all about it's, context, it's, it's that though. thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's all about context, though. Because, you know, yeah. Steve McLaren, like, obviously, there's there's no comparison between, you know, Carlin oh, Cup yeah. and, um, you know, Europe and then. Championship playoffs going to the Premier League. I know it, it's obviously success at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. but it's a different type of success. And I feel like Tony Pulis will need to pull a rabbit, pull a rabbit out of the hat, essentially. Yeah, to, yeah I yeah. don't think he can do it. Mm. Well, a lot of fans, um, the ones that we really su- well say successful is Steve McLaren was hated for long periods of his reign. Um, Brian Robson was, even though he was seeing it got at some point, he was actually booed. Um, when we went to sack him towards the end of his his career, um, Southgate the tenants has just absolutely dropped. Um, Gordon Strachan less of the better. I think everyone hated Gordon Strachan to a to an extent. I think on the training ground side things he used to give a lot to charity boys. Was more or less of like all right, but you still absolutely messed up and brought in a load of Scottish players that just didn't work. Um, Even Gary Monk as Gary well. Monk people didn't, didn't just buy didn't buy it. So it's like it's trying to get the the reality more of like a reality check. Middlesbrough aren't going to be like a Barcelona, and they're never going to be um, anytime soon anyway. So it's just uh, it's trying to manage fans' expectations as well. I think we are actually a Championship club, and we over we overachieved for a lot of years. Um, but I think we can obviously get back into the Premier League at some point. Um, but in terms of Tony Pulis, I think. His style is pretty much dying out now. Um, I think it was the same with like Mourinho as well, Manchester United this year, um, where people, well, the game's completely changing. We're seeing a completely different style of football is coming now. Um, Raheem Sterling, Cal, Cal Hudson O'Doy, um, I'm going to put um, Loftus Cheek in there also. I even, I'm going to throw Dale Fry in the hat just, just for this, this, this example. But every single player now, it's not like you're not six foot four, you're not built like a brick shit house. Um, if you're technically good, uh, and technically good on the ball, 
then you're probably going to get a chance now. Um, the likes of like Messi and Ronaldo, I think these are seen as the, the two goats of football, and I completely, completely agree with that. Um, but what we'll probably see in the next 10, 15, 20 years is just genetic freaks coming into this sport and like create, like make, make break loads of different records. Um, I think football is going to completely change. It's going to be a little bit more fast paced. It's going to be probably one touch, two touch, and I think the way Pulis sets up. He's not going to probably be ready for that, and especially it's, it's changing now, so he needs to probably get out while he can and be fondly remembered for being a, a good manager in terms of setting teams up, keeping them organised and keeping teams in divisions. Um, but I'd be happy, I think, if, if Tony Pulis went. But do you think, but for, for, for this example, who would you try and get in? Would it be a, a young manager now, or would you try and go for an experienced head to come in? Young manager or the director of football, I think, because that seems to be, you know, the kind of direction that many teams are going in, um, and it's not going to be, you know, a case of, you know, short term immediate success. It's going to be a long term plan, but I think Borough needs a long term plan because I think far too many times recently it's just been short term, like Steve Agnew, like uh, Gary Monk, like probably Tony Pulis as well. Um, it needs to be kind of a an on running kind of thing where it's really implemented and Borough are at this point now where they do need to change things behind the scenes we've talked about this so many times of like kind of a rehaul mm. um, and that needs to happen and I, c- I couldn't give you a name um, but I th- feel like that is the direction that Borough need to go in. Yeah as I said Tom Green submitted the question about um, Kenyon as well being at the, at the game on Tuesday night against Bristol City um, obviously he has, he has his finger in a lot of pies in, in, in different football clubs um, but in terms of like that director of football can you see the likes of Tony Pulisells going into that position next season potentially will go underneath him is that something that you'd, you'd be warm to or is, is it just a director of football in general who you'd like to get in um, yeah I, w- I wouldn't really want Tony Pulis as the director of football um, I don't think he's ever a million miles away from getting a position like that because he does try to oversee a lot of the things um, that go on in clubs personally I wouldn't like him to have that role here because um, I think if we were getting uh, a younger manager with you know a philosophy in which was completely averse to his I don't think he'd be quite open to the change and you know there'd be a, a clash there the, the idea that happens with the director of football is that they're completely in sync with the manager and then they will go out and get players that fit that you know that formation that style of play the players that have um, that build have the technical skills that the manager needs, um, and all of that. So it, you know, I, th- I wouldn't like him in that position. Um, for named a director of football, it's probably harder for me to even come up with one than a manager, to be honest. Um, but managers, as far as managers go, uh, we we mentioned a couple on the pod the other day from lower leagues of English yeah. football. Um, I am going to look into some um, in foreign leagues actually and bring it up on you know one of the next few pods or something. Um, it's just kind of you know trying to research into knowing you know Daniel Fox before they exist mm. or Ita Karankas basically. Um, and usually they're, they're just coaches. Some of them they're, they're in second teams of Borussia Dortmund or you know they've been um, you know at clubs like Getafe or. Uh, uh, Deportivo Alaves or something, you know what I mean? It's just random, random managers, but they've been they've been influenced so much by potentially coaches that they've worked under in the past. Who you might not know that they've even you know been working under them or been a player for them in the past. So, um, yeah, the the best way to go is is I think, and a lot of clubs are following that model. 
is to kind of go with that project like system and and you're not going to see immediate success. You've seen it with Wolves. It took a season to bed in. With Norwich, it took a season to bed in. It might even take longer than that. Brentford's is still an ongoing process. The way they're doing things, um, and it keeps you know getting a bit of setbacks with losing managers. But they keep bringing that same title manager in. Mm. You know, losing someone like Dean Smith that could have easily went and just and got someone like we need we need to get up now. So we're going to go and get someone in who's going to get results. They could have went and got a Tony Pulis, but they didn't. They went and got Thomas Frank from yeah. the Swedish league. You know what I mean? And yeah, his t- his star took a bit to bed in, and the form started improving once the players had sort of kind of got used to his formation and philosophy. So yeah, I, I think that's where we have to go. And some Borough fans might not like it because you know eventually it might you know at the start of it it might kind of be like you know it's not much better than Tony Pulis. You you know you'll get comments like this. It's not much better than Gary Monk, but yeah, you'll see the the signs of it starting to click, and you'll see. And we have signed younger players, but I think we'll you'll see younger players getting signed. I think over the years, even Karanka didn't, to be honest. But signing players ready made for the the here and now, like David Nugent's a perfect example, isn't it? Of you know a guy who came in to do a job. Right, come on, David, get us up. You know what I mean? It's kind of it's kind of like signing someone with a view of you know being there for three, four, five seasons. So um, obviously, there's there's been a lot of. It's like a bit of a to- toxic atmosphere at the minute at the club as well. Um, Dana, do you think the culture needs to change as well? With obviously with that overhaul a little bit more. Obviously, I think you know, I think Pulis and I think Pulis has actually kind of brought that toxic atmosphere with him a little bit. I think yeah, and he's just it's that label he's brought he, with like every club he's been with and saying oh yeah the atmosphere gets really toxic and people get it in the head that it's toxic a little bit more. But do you think there's a bit of a toxic atmosphere at the club at the moment? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, many games we've seen, you know, the players being booed off at full time, at half time during the game. Um, there definitely needs to be like changes um, at the club, and it just goes goes back to what we're saying about, um, you know, kind of overhaul uh, behind the scenes. I think it does need to to happen, and I think fans need patience as well. Because I mean, to be fair, the past few seasons in the championship, we've been, you know, in the playoffs, we've um, you know, got promoted and then before that in the playoffs again. So I feel like that's kind of tapping into people's mentality a little bit. Like they kind of have gone to, they've got to a certain extent now, where over certain years, uh, recent years, sorry, they've kind of expected a little bit of success mm. at the back of their mind anyway. So, you know, it's kind of this expectation that needs to be changed a little bit. I think. Mm. No, I, I think I think the. I think the club's not daft as well. I think the club will, will understand the fan frustration. I think, even though they're not saying much at the moment, I think that they will have a plan in place, um, like just for fans in general, regardless of who the manager is next season. Um, I think they're going to implement a few things as well, which will hopefully be positive. I well, fingers crossed. I hope they do, um, because some things like need change a little bit more. Um, but let's move on. Let's be a bit. Sorry, I, was, I was just going to mention actually when you were just talking about the toxic atmosphere, it just reminded me of the game. Obviously, I was I was sat with you, wasn't I? And as if like I, I mean, I know it's been quite bad all season, but you you were obviously seeing we seen fans arguing around us, yeah. seen fans shouting, obviously negative comments all game pretty much. Um, shouting, get him off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it, it was it was pretty embarrassing when obviously it was funny in a sense, but it was obviously embarrassing when the two guys were arguing. Um, yeah. When it wasn't, it wasn't really necessary, and then obviously the Pulis out banner. I was wondering when that was going to come. I thought it was come quite late to be honest, but the Pulis out banner, and I think in, was it in the northeast corner. Um, so yeah, it, it has developed um, quite a toxic atmosphere, but yeah, the, the, like you said, I hope the club have got a plan in, in place for next season. I hope it's and it's the right signs are there. Um, 
as we were saying, obviously with, with the club changing the admin um, on social media recently, but I hope it kind of improves more in that sense because there was there was one thing done recently um, uh, about you know the, the changing the uh, name of the stadium for, for mm-hmm. one game, and I thought that was probably one of the most poorly organised <laughs> campaigns you could you could ever do. First of all, it was they were all named after um, Captain Cook when you could have easily put something there about you could have done one about Captain Cook one about Ali Brownlee one about Palmores or something and one about and one about Smoggies or whatever and you could have had four things that are like quite synonymous (laughs) to the area Um, and then when it was picked you had to go on a link to do it when fans you know how how easy would it it have just to to do a a poll on Twitter that would have just been miles easier and then once that was done when it all been decided on what the name was, there was nothing of it anywhere. The only time I seen any when all those flags were out for the Norwich game, I thought I was going to say it on the on the flag surely it didn't. The only time you heard it was when the the guy on the Tannoy said it, yeah. and I thought, well, what was the point? If if you're only going to mention it once during the whole game, what was the point in renaming it? I'd have voted uh, Palmo Stadium, mate. Palmo Stadium would have been amazing. Yeah, <laughs> or Pulis 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 yeah, that would have been a strange one, but yeah, exactly. That's. I mean, you could have done it a lot better than than what it was done. I don't know how many votes it received in the end, but I bet it didn't receive that many votes. It, you know, it was kind of clicking on a link to do it. Do you know what I mean? Social media is not. Mm. It's changing. So yeah, let's, let's, let's move on. Um, let's move on to a bit more positive. Um, Rajiv Van the Pirate Dana. Um, probably one of the most glittering <coughs> football careers at Millsbury I think I've ever seen. Um, you can. You know, we had a fan come with us, showing a bit of tricks. Best Chester down of the ball I've ever seen. Best Chester down. He cursed him after that. Cursed him on the right. Took him on the left, took him on the right. Uh, I'm going to ask you the question, though. Um, you need to answer it. And who do you think had a better career? Uh, Van La Parra or Kike Sola? Van La Parra, purely for that video. <laughs> purely for that video. Well, Kike, Kike Sola was quite good looking, though, I think. So you, you could. Fair, you, you're arguing on different different scales here, aren't you? But. Um, yeah, maybe Van der just. It's it was tough for me. Yeah, best fifty six minutes football I've ever seen. That, um, but in other news, obviously Stuart Downing um, has just um, came out and said that he's signed a new contract for the club. Obviously, it's till the end of the season. Um, Rumours are it's either Sunderland or Rangers uh, for the next season for Stuart Downing to end his career. Um, Els, do you think? Do you think it was a good deal for Mills Football Club to have Stuart Downing sign and so he can actually start a game again? Yeah, um, in a sense, yeah, because I think, especially against Bristol City, he, he you know he was putting in a lot of crosses in the area. He showed his quality, considering he doesn't really have much pace. He can still kind of you know beat a man. He's still got the, you know that sort of twist and turn. Um, it gives Tony Pulis an extra dimension to play because he, he he can play central. He can you can obviously use him in that wing back role. Um, he does get caught out a little bit, obviously, but you know so would George Friend if he was playing there as well. Um, but you know, it gives an extra man that we can use going into this running. Um, you know, overall, it probably it might not have mattered that much if he didn't sign that new contract. But it's an extra, an extra guy that we can use when you know if injuries occur, um, you know, tiredness occurs, then um, Downing is quite a, an apt player to come in. Really, yeah, so yeah, fair enough. Danny, happy with the deal, or is it just more or less of a? It's like a bit of a meh deal. Um, I think it's it, you know it's a good a good solution to a very strange bizarre clause in a contract. 
Um, but like Elliot said, it gives us an option, and um, I think the important thing is obviously, uh, you know, financially, um, we don't seem like we're in. Um, I'm not going to say like we're in a, like a turmoil situation, yeah. 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 But like we we seem to want to balance the books, um, and having a what's it, 35 year old on the money that he's on for for the year, I think is probably not in the club's best interest. It'll probably go against what the kind of the noises that are coming out of the club at the moment. So. Um, it's a good uh, compromise, I think. Um, but beyond this season, I think it's probably time for Downey to go. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think for as far as like kind of you know, um, I, don't, I don't know how much obviously the contracts dropped down by, but in a sense of you know, as being as noble as football and co, he's obviously decided not to be greedy in a sense mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know waited out on you know not play because he's not getting however much it would have been I think I'm guessing about 35k was probably what he, his old deal was so if he's took it down from that you know fair play to him but it's, you know. yeah I think obviously we're down and he's borrowed and he's came through the academy he's probably one of the most successful academy graduates we've ever had so it's he does need uh, he does need he deserves a lot of respect for what he's done in the game and he's played for like Liverpool Aston Villa when they were doing very very well it's like over 30 caps for England um, he's done quite a lot. He obviously knocked the ball in for Massimo Macaroni's diving header as well. Um, so I think Joe Down does deserve the respect, but of course I think his time for Tam Ellsbury should be ending now. It's either retire Stuart or go to Rangers or go to Sunderland. I think Sunderland would be a great move for him, by the way, just to be with him and him and Ladbetter. But um, let's move on. Let's chat about Swansea dinner. Um, I know you've been researching Swansea and Graham Potter's uh, Jacks. But let's, what have you found? Essentially, what have you found? Yeah, well, they play predominantly in a four-two-three-one formation. They have played four-three-three uh, a few times this season, but um, their last game, um, a three-nil win against Brentford, that ended a four-game losing streak. Um, the notable player, obviously, standout, um, Ollie McBurney, who's got sixteen goals. He's just come back from um, an illness. Uh, they did have Wayne Routledge up front. They um, have a, you know, behind them, it's it's usually Nathan Dyer versus Selena, who's that penalty by the way did oh, you see that penalty against uh, West Bromwich yeah. I felt so really? sorry for him you know what even I'm happened ne- did he like kick the turf kick the turf yeah. he kicked the turf didn't he and he, yeah well I mean that was went, a one for the football compilations um, that would yeah. be on worst penalty ever yeah it on circulation on YouTube for like until he dies <laughs> <laughs> it was some penalty like Selena um, and then Dan James who was a very good player uh, very technical uh Technically gifted, very quick, direct one for Borough to really um, keep an eye on. Um, in the last two games between uh, Borough and Swansea, have been nil nil draws, which is lovely. Um, <laughs> they've won. Uh, Swansea won and kept a clean sheet uh, in their last three Championship home matches. I know obviously Borough are better on the road, but Swansea seem to be in some uh, good form um, at home. And obviously they, they still play with that possession based style that we that we saw in the Premier League. Um, obviously it hasn't kind of uh, given them much success because they are dwindling in mid table at the moment. But um, yeah, I expect them to have the majority of the ball given they are at home as well. Um, but I mean, it's it's really kind of uh, it is going to be an interesting game because they are um, obviously they did lo- uh, stop that rot so to speak. But they ha- their form has been a little bit iffy this season. Are you surprised by uh, Swansea Elliot in terms of like where they are in the position? I think it's nice that they've actually reverted back to that Swansea style of play. Uh, I think last year when they were in the Premier League, they, they moved away a little bit from that, and I think that put, I think that just made them worse. I think it kind of cemented the relegation. But 
you know it's obviously very difficult coming back down to the championship even though we've done quite well we've seen like Sebastian Villa there struggle for a while and Di Matteo um, of course Stoke this year doing poor as well um, do you think the do you think were you surprised by how Swansea are in the league this year? Um, I guess on the face of it, you would be a little bit. Um, but then, you know, when you'd look um, at all of the promoted clubs, none of them looks like they're going to be going up automatically. Um, Swansea lost a lot of players over the summer. And like you say, they have kind of reverted to type. Um, and I think they're kind of in that transition phase of, um, especially with getting Graham Potter in, of, you know, this, uh, you know, coming up with a kind of a new style in a sense and, and, and starting a project really um, but yeah I, I guess you know with losing that many players and coming into quite a hard division with strong teams of you know big championship teams that have spent a lot over the years trying to get out and and teams that have been up and down like ourselves and, and Norwich um, teams that have came down the year before them as well like Villa and, and teams like that it was always going to be hard really um, and for them to not be doing as bad as Stoke, um, you know, it's better in a sense, you know, that, yeah, that they're not quite doing as well as West Brom, but they're you know, quietly mid-table, and um, you know, it could be one to watch next season if they get a few more players in. Um, players like Ollie McBurney and some of the younger players have developed a bit more, and Graham Potter implements his style. Then, then yeah. Okay, let's let's move on. Let's move on to predictions and lineups. Um, obviously, last night we all picked very similar teams before. No, well, the audio broke up. But are we still going to go with the same team, uh, Dana? Yeah, I'm going to uh, go back to the three-five-two uh, formation that we started February very well with. So Randolph in goal, obviously, and then uh, back three. Shotton, Ayala and Fry. Um, and then it'll be Housen and Savile as the wing-backs. Uh, wing and Besic just in front of uh, John Overkell will be guiding the back three. And then Fletcher and Britta Sambalonga up front. Okay, um, Elliot, are you in same? Um, I did pick the same team last night, but I, I think I'm gonna go with you on on the IR punt and, and take him out. I, I, I'm gonna put Flint in as well, actually. Okay. Um, I don't think there's much between them in terms of you know being better footballers in a sense. I just think you know Flint isn't gonna absolutely class someone. So <laughs> I, I, I don't want to. Get, I don't want any more red cards. I don't want. I don't want no penalties. Um, I just want Flint to get his big head on the ball and clear the ball away when. You know, when it gets to the last line of defence. Well, the thing is with uh, Ayala and, and Flint, they haven't really got any technical ability. Yeah. I think it's uh, yeah. something that Dale Fry is technically technically gifted, well, the most uh, yeah, most technically gifted footballer uh, in the defence, and he's, what, 18, 19? Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but in terms of why I picked Flint instead of Ayala and my team, was just more or less of... I kind of trust Danny, Danny Ayala. Um, hatred, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not really much of a hit. It's, <laughs> it's just that I just don't trust him. It's like we see he's red and just goes, attack, and then there's two foot someone. It's like, what are you doing? It's that don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, tweet. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Kneecaps the attacker. So yeah, my team was Dimmy and Gorkchok, and it was Randolph in goal, it was Johnny Housen right back, and we've Shot in Ayala, not shot in Ayala, sorry, I'll start again. Um, <laughs> uh, Housen, shot in Flint, Fry, um, and it was Stuart Downing at wing back, um, John Over, Mikel, wing, and Bezic, uh, with Fletcher and Britt, 
Um, score predictions as well. Um, I think I was the only positive one last night, so I'm going to start off first. I'm going to say one in the middle for um, Dan. Are you going to go with a draw again, or are you going to go for defeat? It's going to be six in a row. No, I'm going to go for uh, a draw. One one. I'm going to go for. One one for Dana and Els. I'm gonna go for a nil nil. Um, I can just you know it's not just from what Dana's saying where they say the last two games have been nil nil, but I just think um, both t- teams. I don't know. I just think with the form and um, and everything, I just think yeah, we might shut them out. It'll be a positive result for us in a way. Um, you know, not getting beat. Um, but yeah. I can just see, I can just see a nil nil all over it. It was an absolute horrendous game when that came to Riverside as well. I can't even remember it. Awful. <laughs> I can't remember. Was that, it was that actually was that nil nil? Absolutely dreadful. I've never seen two teams want to cancel each other out in my entire life. Um, it was like no, it was like no real aggression. There was like nothing on the ball, and it was like it was like meh. Just a performance. Yeah, I think that's what. I mean, I went to Wigan a few weeks back, and I can see it being quite like that. Um, there wasn't anything in the game the whole game was played in, in midfield apart from and I forgot about this actually a chance missed by by British Ambalonga and back to what we were saying earlier we, we haven't half missed some chances this season some absolutely <laughs> glorious chances mm. but yeah I, I can't even I can't even see if we do get a chance like that again um, I was putting it away oh, yeah, we're going to get another video again of uh, of all of our strikers of missing chances I feel like there's been oh, about yeah. five maybe six videos on social media this year of like Chances that we should have scored that have been like what ones that should have been on like taxi and soccer air. Yeah. Taxi for British on Belonga. There's been one for Flint, one for Hugo. Oh um, Housen. One for Housen. The Savile one on Savile. Bristol City was criminal. Well, that, that, that was the most in one game. But yeah, over the course of the season, we've had an awful lot. Mm. Exactly. Well, that wraps us up. Um, hopefully, this one, this one uh, sings correctly and we uh, we upload it. Um, but this has been the Borough Breakdown Podcast. I've been Johnny D- and this we've got being John D- I'll start that again. Uh, <laughs> I'm Johnny with Dana with Elliot. Um, like, share, subscribe to the channel. Um, also give us five star rating on iTunes. That really helps with our with Borough fans trying to find us. Um, but surely not. Mills we cannot lose six on a row. Or can we?